0: Welcome to Finding Your Bench, brought to you by Parkside Investments, a show designed to help listeners overcome the challenges associated with preparing for retirement.
1: Hello, and welcome to Finding Your Bench, brought to you by Parkside Investments. My name is Nelson Green, and today's episode explores end-of-year planning. I've asked Chris Engelman, Parkside's Managing Director, to join us and discuss some of the opportunities that present themselves toward the end of each year. Chris, as we come to the end of 2021, there's going to be some opportunities out there for people to take advantage of from a tax perspective. Um, We're going to go through a few of them. I think we have five or six different options here. But uh, for starters, I think the low-hanging fruit is going to be around the retirement accounts. I'd like for you to just break down what some of the opportunities are for the folks out there that may have access to a 401k, a Roth, or traditional IRA, and what they can be doing now to make sure that they're taking advantage of some of those opportunities from a tax perspective.
0: Yeah, no. To the extent that you haven't maximized your retirement account savings, we would in- highly encourage you to do that. Now, whether that's contributing six thousand dollars to an IRA or contributing your nineteen thousand five hundred maximum to a four hundred one k plan. In fact, if you're over fifty, you're able to actually in- increase that from nineteen thousand five hundred by about sixty five hundred to 26,000, you're able to actually contribute on an after-tax basis to a 401k plan that's sponsored by your employer. Additionally, if you work for an employer that doesn't have a 401k plan, or if you work for yourself, there may be other retirement options where you're able to save even more than that $26,000, and that's where it gets interesting. That being said, we're not tax specialists here, so I'd highly encourage you to talk to someone who specializes in after-tax contributions to retirement plans.
1: You know, it's such an important topic, but would you would you say it gets neglected by business owners... Simply because, listen, you you are everything. You are chief marketing officers, you're CEO, COO. And thinking about putting together a retirement plan for yourself is probably not top of mind for most business owners. you have any thoughts on that? Any conversations you've had with folks that maybe have started a business and, and just kind of forgot about that simply because life got in the way?
0: Uh, life absolutely gets in the way of this. And, and it's just sort of a question of, carving out a little bit of a time to meet with the expert that has a specialty in setting up retirement plans for small businesses. There are plenty of firms that do this here. We'd encourage you to either bring your financial advisor along or bring your tax accountant along as a second set of eyes and a second set of ears for that conversation. But just spending a half hour or an hour can really save you $10,000, dollars $20,000 in taxes along these lines.
1: Yeah, too. And and you kind of talked about this from a competitive standpoint. Hey, listen, the labor market is hot right now, right? People are vying for talent out there. Offering these type of plans to your employees may be another uh, you know, coin in the bucket when you think about just how you're going to compete against some of those larger organizations. Uh, I think that's probably uh, a topic we can explore a complete episode down the road. But as we move further upstream from a a tax perspective, we talked about the account specifically. One thing I'd like you to talk about is tax loss harvesting. So I think it's a term that doesn't come up too, too often specifically for maybe the the retail investor and even for some more advanced investors out there and don't understand some of the tax consequences associated with taking some of those losses off the board.
0: Yeah. Let's take a step back here. And to the extent that you have sold stocks throughout the year, you have realized gains in the portfolio. So let's just say at the end of the year, you have $100,000 of realized gains or profits from selling your stocks. If there's a stock that has a loss, and I realize that after many years of a very strong equity markets, you might not nearly have as many losses as gains, but to the extent that you have a stock that has a loss, and let's just say it's a $10,000 loss, You can use that loss to offset the $100,000 in gains that you have so that instead of having $100,000 in gains where you're paying almost a 24% tax bracket, you're paying the 24% on $90,000 of gains because you took that $10,000 loss and you're essentially saving yourself about $2,400 of taxes during that year by taking that $10,000 in losses.
1: It's a good point And something you bring up often when speaking with clients is looking for opportunities throughout the year. So, you know, we're in December right now, and this makes sense. But if we go back to 2020, and we see that huge dip in the market, it kind of talk about maybe how that could have played out a little bit differently if you were on the hunt for some of these opportunities when it comes to tax losses.
0: Yeah. And this is, and this is I think, the perfect example of why we don't just do it at the end of the year, why we try to do it throughout the year. Because in 2020, as you remember, The market started out pretty strong. And then in March of 2020, as people were worried about COVID, the markets dipped dramatically. But by the end of the year, they were up slightly for the year. Um, What you could have done is when the markets went down that 20 plus percent that they went down, you could have sold the stocks in your portfolio, realized losses, Shifted the money into other stocks, had those stocks appreciate in price, and then been able to use the losses that you realized in March of 2020 to offset any gains that you may have taken later on in the year, or could have rolled that money or rolled those losses into future years. So that to the extent that you took losses or gains in 2021. You could use some of those losses in 2020 march of 2020 to offset those gains however if you would have never have sold anything in that time period you never would have had those losses so that's why we encourage people to be opportunistic in taking losses and not just doing it at the end of the year
1: yeah chris that's a it's a good point and one note i will make here is that as you're shifting from one security to another as you had mentioned You really want to be cognizant of the IRS wash sale rule and basically what's happening here is that they will prohibit you from selling out one asset and buying into a similar asset in order to specifically realize a loss and that's going to be for about a 61 day window. If you violate this, the IRS will not allow those losses for your transaction and that's going to basically negate any effort you may have from a tax perspective. Um, So we've covered account opportunities. We've covered tax loss harvesting. Let's move into gifting because this is a really intriguing strategy for those who may be getting close to the IRS limits on estate tax exemptions.
0: Sure. Well, first and foremost, when you gift money to a family member, that still doesn't necessarily, that still counts against your annual income that you receive. So it's not reducing your taxes per se on how much you're paying in any one year. But to the extent that you may be above that estate tax threshold when you pass away, gifting is a good way to limit the amount of estate taxes that you may have to pay um, when you ultimately meet your demise. Each person is able to gift up to $15,000 a year annually to anyone they want. So a couple, theoretically, a husband and wife, are able to contribute $30,000 $30,000 to each of their children, each of their spouses, each of their grandchildren a year without having to file any type of estate tax return. So we talk about gifting here, we're talking about the $15,000 limit per person per gift
1: gotcha and kind of going directly into this a little bit deeper another way another vehicle to gift is going to be a 529 and this could be hey you know i have children i have grandchildren out there that maybe have the ambition to go to college at a later date um talk, talk about maybe leveraging some of these financial gifts but in the form of a 529.
0: sure so the 529 plans are tax-free savings programs they're able to put money into the plan and now again you don't necessarily save money and taxes going into it from your annual income but that money gets to grow tax free and you can which, as long as you withdraw it for educational expenses and typically college expenses each person again is able to contribute up to 15000 per year to that 529 plan without it necessarily brushing up against that 50, uh, the state tax limit so in theory, here a couple is able to contribute thirty thousand dollars a year. Now, the one nice thing about five twenty nine plans is you can actually prepay five years of a five twenty nine plan, so you're actually able to contribute up to a hundred. A couple is able to contribute up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to each five twenty nine plan per year. For you can, I guess I just take it back. You're able to contribute one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to a 529 plan, and then wait another five years to contribute another
1: $150,000. Yeah, not to get off track here, but um, you know, we, we recently did an education savings webinar, which I thought was really successful, um, and, and talked about some of the different vehicles you can use for college education. While you do have the 529, which you just alluded to, another option out there is prepaid tuition. You see some states doing that, but we really see 529 as being one of a, uh, call it more favorable choice now because the number of states participating in prepaid plans has significantly dwindled over the years. I think there's only about nine nine states that do that at this point.
0: Right. And the nice thing about a 529 plan versus a prepaid tuition program is a 529 plan will allow you to send, to be used at any school out there. Typically prepaid tuition is you have to go to in-state school per se.
1: Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, Getting away from the gifting piece and going more toward charity, I guess that could be considered to be in the same bucket. Uh, One term I'd like you to break down for us, because I don't think everyone's really familiar with it, is donor advised fund. And then maybe we can talk a little bit more around charitable giving.
0: Sure. So what we see in donor advised fund, they're typically run by either a community foundation or by a brokerage firm that has set up a charity associate, so a Fidelity or a Schwab. And what a a donor advised fund allows you to do is contribute to a fund in your name. So it would be the Chris Engelman donor advised fund at Fidelity, hypothetically, where I'm able to contribute money to that. I get a tax write-off for the money that I contribute to that in any one year. And then as long as I give that money to a 5013C charitable organization at a later point in time. So what I see a lot of clients doing is they know that they wanna give $5,000, or I'll call it $10,000 a year for the next five years. They will contribute $50,000 to a donor advised fund this year, take the full write-off this year, and then over the next five years, take $10,000 out of their donor advised fund and contribute that to charity. The nice thing about that is you get that full $50,000 of deductions in the year that you contribute it here and as a way to save a little bit on your taxes over the long term by bunching your contributions together.
1: Yeah, additionally, too, you know, a lot of these donor advised funds have marketable securities in them. So you also run the benefit of, hey, that $50,000, while it's going to be spread over the next five years, you may have some market appreciation on those funds. And now that $50,000 gift could be considerably higher depending on market conditions.
0: That is very true. Very true
1: so the big one here and this is kind of the soft and squishy but i like this is, is really around the year in family planning uh, and maybe talk about this and some of the conversations you're having with your clients and, and really just more around the family governance aspect of,
0: of wealth management yeah so a lot of families you know, whether it's relating to philanthropy whether it's relating to education of the next generation or just other generational issues here They want to be able to pass down the values from one generation to the next. And so what we encourage clients to do is on an annual basis, meet as a family and have a discussion. You don't necessarily have, the parents don't necessarily have to disclose how much money that they have, but we see a lot of clients using philanthropy and saying, okay, if there are four children, each child is able to contribute up to, a thousand dollars per charity and they sit around and discuss which charities they want to give that to and why they want to do that you know it's a nice way for you to establish the family values and create that culture in the family as well as having a nice bonding situation as well
1: Yeah. You you had talked about the conversations. Um, it's not easy. Like those are not easy conversations to have about just, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm here now, but I'm not going to be here in the future. Any advice to the folks out there that maybe haven't done this, but maybe have a little bit of apprehension simply because it's an
0: awkward conversation to have. Yeah. You know, I think you can have that conversation, right? I should say you can have that conversation, Without necessarily getting into the numbers and specifics, you can talk about what your desires are for anything from what you want your funeral to be, to how the money should be spent, how the money should be maybe given away, what's the point of the money afterwards, without necessarily talking about specific dollar amounts that you may have. And I think that's where the awkward part of the conversation comes is when you talk about specific dollars. That's awkward, but when you talk about what's the intent of the money, what's what are you trying to do with these funds, that's not nearly as awkward.
1: Yeah, I like this because we talk so much about the importance of having an estate plan and putting it together, whether it's just having something as simple as a will or having something a little bit more, you know, Intricate, such as a trust, um, but the conversational piece is really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm glad you really touched on that. So, Chris, before we go, any closing thoughts just on end of the year kind of wrap ups for the end of the, the holiday season? Obviously, it gets busy for everyone. It's easy for these things to fall out through the cracks.
0: Yeah, you know, there's obviously a lot of discussion in Congress right now of talking about them changing the tax law. And while we're not, I would say, big fans of Change making tax moves based on speculation of what Congress may or may not do. Um, there are, you do want to look at your situation here, and even regardless of any changes, there may be some reasons to accelerate income this year or defer income into next year. And so, just take a second, look at your situation, get a feel for what your taxes are going to be like this year, how that may change next year and try to make any adjustments. Again, this is gonna be at the margin, but make any adjustments that you may see fit.
1: That's great. I think that's a good wrap up for 2021. Uh, Hope you and your family have a great holiday season and we'll talk to you again 2022. Sounds great.
0: Thanks, Nelson. And thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to Finding Your Bench with Parkside Investments. For more information or to get in touch, please visit us at parksideinv.com.
1: The opinions expressed in this program for general information purposes only are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education around the financial industry. To determine what investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested directly. As always, remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.